Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. And welcome again uh, to Religiosity, How to Make Jesus Mad in Four Easy Steps. And we, we found out last weekend that there were times in the Bible where Jesus became really angry. And he didn't sin, but he became angry. And we're looking at the top four times that he became angry. We're looking at it from this, this perspective. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, he'll never be mad at you. He can't be mad at you. Jesus died and took the punishment for your sins. God loves you as much as anyone else on the planet. There's no one he loves more than you if you're a Christian. He loves us all the same. So he's not going to be mad at us. But here's how we want to look at this. We want to look at it from this perspective. If something made Jesus angry when he walked on the earth, we want to please him. And in order to please him, we, we would want to avoid the things that made him angry. So we're just looking at it from that point of view. But did, do you remember this from last week if you were with us? 98% of the time when Jesus was mad, uh, he was mad at the religious leaders of the day. And the other 2%, he was mad at the future religious leaders, his disciples, guys like me. He was mad at us. And he was never mad at unbelievers or angry, and he was never angry with the sheep. Why? Well, because he knew their problem was bad leadership, right? And he knew they needed to grow and they needed to learn the truth. So we're looking at this, asking the question, hey, if that made him angry, I need to avoid that and keep it out of my life. So I titled today's lesson, Religious Mask. And it would have been perfect last weekend was Halloween. I wish I could have sunk it together, but I, I couldn't teach it until this week. But we're going to talk about this thing called religious mask. And I want to open up with a story. There's this guy, modern day, but a cowboy kind of guy, and he's in New Mexico. He goes into a bar and he buys three beers and he takes it to a table, but he's all alone. And he takes a sip out of one, then another, then another, and he finishes all three beers. And he goes back up to the bar and he says to the bartender, fill them all up. And the bartender just looked at him, first time he met him, he said, you know, you could just have one cup and come one at a time, and it'd be much fresher out of the tap. He said, well, oh, no, no. He said, I was just separated from my brothers. We just all moved to different states, and we made a deal with each other that at the end of a long, hard day, we're going to sit down, and we're going to get a beer, one for one brother, one for the other, one for ourselves, and we're going to just just honor our brothers. And the bartender thought, that's really cool. And so this guy came in for a couple months and everybody in the bar knew what was happening. They all thought, man, these brothers really love each other. He'd drink from one, then the other, then the other, and then go get some more. And uh, after about two months, he came in one day, one night, and he only ordered two beers. And the bartender didn't want to say anything. And he goes to his table. Everyone in the bar is just like, oh no, you know, he only ordered two beers. And so after he finishes the two, he goes back up to the counter. The bartender says, I don't want to pry, but I, I do have to say my condolences for your loss. And this guy looked at him really confused. Then he said, oh, no, no, my brothers are fine. He said, my wife and I just joined a Baptist church, and I'm not allowed to drink anymore, but my brothers can. <laughs> I was reading a book, and I saw that joke. I thought, that is lesson two, right? That is what we call <laughs> hypocrisy. And, and hypocrisy, guys, it, it's, just, it's just when you're acting one way, but it's not really you, and you know where to act a certain way in a certain crowd, you know. As a matter of fact, the word hypocrisy 
It's not a translation. And when you read it in your Bible, it's a transliteration. That means they just wrote the Greek word in English. And it literally was a theater term, and it means to wear a mask. That's all it means. And back in Bible days, when they did theater, one actor might have three parts. So every time he changed to the other actor, he put on a different mask. And Jesus took this word, and he used it, and he, he let us know he doesn't like us wearing masks. It's something he wants us to avoid. So my big idea for this lesson is what the steps would be, the four easy steps to make Jesus mad, right? And this is lesson two, so I'm going to show you step two. You know what step two is? It's real simple. Uh, play charades. That's, that's step two. And if you play charades, Jesus won't be happy. Now, he doesn't care if you play the literal game, right? In case you never played charades, you have three or four people on one team, three or four on the other. And one of the people on the team, they have a word that comes on a card, and then they have to act it out without saying it, and the other people on their team has to guess it. So, you know, if I did this, I had a word, and then I did this, and then I did this, would we all guess, hey, that's a baby? They never make it that easy, right? But that's how the game's played. He doesn't care if you play that game. He probably likes that game. It's a fun game. I stink at it. But he doesn't want us to play that game as we walk through life for real. He wants us to be transparent. And he came upon the religious leaders at one point, and they were playing that game. And I love what he said to these guys. Listen, it made him really angry. Matthew 23, 25 Woe to you Pharisees and you religious leaders, hypocrites. And the word woe means, woe means impending doom and wrath. So can we all agree he didn't say that with a smile on his face? Whoa, you people, no. He, he was angry, so we know he was angry, right? And what was he angry about? Well, they were being hypocrites. He goes on to say, you are so careful to polish the outside of the cup, but the inside is foul with extortion and greed, Blind Pharisees, first cleanse the inside of the cup, and then the whole cup will be clean. And what a great example. And we know when we accept Christ, we clean out our spirit, but our souls still need a lot of cleansing, right? So I have this favorite mug. I think I've had it for over 10 years. When I drink coffee, I only drink coffee out of dark cups. I can't drink coffee out of a light cup. I don't know why. And when I drink tea, I have to have a light cup. I have issues, right? I really do. So I have this favorite brown cup, and I have another gray cup I'll use. But this brown cup was great for years. It's white on the inside, but it became really stained. And I didn't like the stain. I scrubbed it. I did everything. Couldn't get the stain out. And so one day I had a bright idea. I put some bleach in, and then I added water 10, 15 minutes. It was as white as snow. And what I want to do today is I want to talk about how you and I can bleach ourselves from the inside out and how we can make sure we never, ever walk in what the Bible calls hypocrisy. We never have a religious mask on to where we act the same no matter where we're at. Here at Believers over the years, I've had some guys that were, you know, kind of ushers and security and they would just cuss right in front of me, right at church, right in the lobby. These cuss words would just fall out of their mouth, and, and I never corrected them. I, I was actually impressed for this reason, not that they were cussing, but, but they, weren't, they weren't pretending. And it impressed me that they weren't pretending. I'm like, 
At least they're not being a hypocrite, right, and acting one way and then go out and cuss like a sailor. And so I thought, well, God can clean them up, but I'm just glad they're real, right? And, and we want to talk about being real today, right? I'm not going to encourage you to cuss, but just being real, just being real, right? Being who you are all the time, right? And so I came up with three steps. I, why not? Three steps. And they're really, they've, they've changed my life, these three steps over the years. And I just want to go through them. And here's the idea. If this made Jesus angry and we want to please him, we want to make sure we're not hypocritical in any area of our life. Now, remember, uh, we'll never be perfect. So there's always an area we're working on for most of us more than one area, right? But here's, here's step number one. And you'd think it'd be easy, but it's not. We must be transparent with ourselves. And I have struggled. I struggled for years being honest with myself, transparent with myself. And about 10, 12 years ago, I had a problem developing. I was losing a lot of hair up here. And then one day I realized I wasn't losing, and it was just growing out of other places. And it's like, I thought, and then I needed reading glasses at the same time, and I thought, I need to get a times 10 mirror, you know? So I bought a times 10 mirror. It's really big. It lights, has a light around the ring. And I went to use it the first time, and, and it just wasn't that impressive. And it helped, but it wasn't that impressive. And so I put it away, and then I got it out a couple weeks later to check again. And I saw something peeling off of it. And I thought, oh. So I peel it off, and it's a plastic coating. Now, it was clear, but it, it, it dulled it. And when I looked at it the first time with the plastic coating off, it was crazy. I, I wish I didn't buy it because not only did I see some growth in some places where I didn't need it, I saw other flaws. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I hope people don't see this when they look at me. But it was times 10, so I'm going to pretend you don't see all the flaws. And I had wished I didn't buy it. But here, here's what this is all about, guys. We have to peel the plastic off our hearts and we have to come to a place where we're real, transparent, and honest with ourselves. And again, I have a couple areas in my life where I avoided this forever. I was not honest with myself. I wouldn't admit I had a problem. And if I can't take step one, I'll never get to step two and step three. And maybe some of you are dealing with areas. Sometimes we can be transparent with one area and not another. And I love this scripture. It's 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Test yourselves. That means put yourself to the test to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. And God is just saying, if you're a human being, you need to examine yourself, be transparent, and be real with what's going on in your life. I was reading a book, and, and there was this poem in it. And I'm not a poem guy, so you know, you know if I'm going to read a poem, it has some impact. It's really short. It's called There's a Hole in My Sidewalk by Portia Nelson. And listen to this. It's all about being transparent with ourselves. Chapter one, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two, I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes me a long time to get out. Chapter three, it's only five chapters. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. Chapter four. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. 
I walk around it. They're peeling the plastic off, right? But I love chapter five. I walk down another street. And <laughs> this is somebody being transparent with themselves. And this really will change your life. It's the first step of making sure we don't have to live a hypocritical life. We don't have to be one person with this set of friends and somebody else with the other set of friends. Certain way in church, right? And different outside of church. Um, the number one reason when I ask people, why don't you come to church? I'll meet people. They say, I don't go to church. I, number one reason that I'm given, it's not shocking. They say, because church is full of hypocrites. And, and I say, absolutely. There, if there's people, there's a few hypocrites. And I said, you'll never find a church without hypocrites. But here's a suggestion. Try to make sure your pastor isn't one. So find a church where the pastor is not a hypocrite. At least make sure he's honest, right? And you're always going to have hypocrites. And we begin to change when, number one, we're transparent with ourselves. Here's the second. We must be transparent with God. And this one, you might think it's easy, but I have struggled with this a lot. And so uh, I'm going to share an issue after the third step in my own personal life. And it's amazing how it took me forever to be honest with myself, but then I somehow wouldn't be honest with God. And we all intellectually know, don't we all intellectually know that God can see everything, right? If he's God the way he says in the Bible, he knows what you and I do behind closed doors. But somehow I felt if I don't tell him, he won't know. Um, and so I just hid certain areas of my life where I, didn't, I wasn't honest, I didn't tell him. And God had to bring me to a place where I realized not only do I need to be transparent with Joe, I need to be transparent with God because that's where our help is going to come. And I love this scripture. It's Proverbs 28, 13. If you cover up your sin, you'll never do well. But if you confess your sins and forsake them, you will be kissed by mercy. And we want to talk about that mercy kiss in a moment. That's God kissing you with his forgiveness and his restoration. It's a beautiful thing. But did you notice how it says, we want to make sure we don't cover up. And I'm going to give you a New Testament verse that's just amazing in a moment. But sometimes we learn one truth in the Bible and then we react to it and we stop doing something else. So there's this message out there. We call it the grace message. I love it. And I love some of the teachers out there teaching it. But some folks hear the grace message, which in essence is this. You can't work for your salvation. When you accepted Jesus, he forgave you of all your past, present, and future sins, and you are holy and blameless in his sight. So some people have hyper-focus issues, and so hyper-focus means they, they can only focus on one truth at a time, so they can't see other truths that would mend and work with that. So I've had people tell me, Pastor Joe, you don't have to repent of your sins. You're forgiven. And I say, yeah, but the word repent means to do a 180. And there has to be a time in my life where I cleanse my conscience and I'm honest with God. And I say, what I'm doing is wrong and I need your help. That's okay. I'm still forgiven before I say that. He's washed all of our sins away. But there has to be that moment where you and I become honest. And then that's where mercy kisses us. And I love the very next verse, Proverbs 28, 14. Overjoyed is the one who with tender heart trembles before God, but the stubborn, unyielding heart will experience even greater evil. What is he saying? Is God going to punish you? No. If you're not transparent with yourself and God, that thing's going to take you over a cliff. It's going to ruin something in your life. And I love what he talks about tr trembling before God. You know, the Bible says when you accepted Jesus, 
in the spirit realm, he sat you in heavenly places. You and I are not God. He's God. And it's cool that we're seated next to him as far as God sees us in the spirit realm. But we still need to understand he's God. And we have to have this attitude that he's God and I'm not. And, and God, I'm just going to be honest with you. I have a problem. And here's why you want to do that. He's the only one that can help you, right? And here's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It's in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, and it reads like this. This high priest of ours, Jesus, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings or temptations we do. Yet he did not sin. So let's talk about Jesus. He's our Lord and our Savior. You know what else he is? He's your high priest. You know what that means? You can go to him, and he will help you whenever you have trouble. And I love what it says about him. Jesus is God the Son who always existed, but he took upon himself a human body. And when he was in that human body, guess what happened? He was tempted to sin. But the Bible says he was tempted, but he never sinned. Uh, so temptation's not a sin, right? And because of that, he understands your weakness. He understands what you're dealing with. And you and I can go to him. He's not going to slap us. He's not going to reject us or rebuke us. He's going to help us. And we need to understand that about Jesus. He knows what we're going through. As a matter of fact, I could tell you this right now. Anything you're struggling with right now, Jesus knows why you're struggling with it. He knows there's something you don't understand. And if he could just open up your eyes, you would understand it. It would set you free. And it's not until we are transparent with ourselves and then uh, we're transparent with God that he can begin to do that. And that's what the next part of the verse reads. It reads this way, verse 16. So let us, the Christian, come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. So he's saying, go to the throne of grace. That's what some translations say. And you'll find mercy and then you'll find grace. And the word grace in this context, you know what it means? God's ability that supersedes ours. And there has to come a time in our life where we're honest with ourselves, transparent, transparent with God. And then that's when God can really begin to do some things. And I know in my life I've had to learn those two things but there is a third step, and this third one, you will never really overcome issues until you take it, and it goes like this. We must be transparent with others, and it's not everybody. It's that somebody you know you can trust, and there has to come a time in our life where we're really going to overcome something we're really struggling with, where we bring someone else in to hold us accountable and to be transparent to them. So I want to tell you a story about my life. And I shared bits and pieces uh, September, the first weekend of September. And, and uh, I want to be very careful how I share this. I have no problem being transparent, so it doesn't bother me. I just don't want to hurt anybody else as I share stories, you know. Um, but I had an issue that I've had since childhood. I had what you call a binge eating issue. And in case you don't know what binge eating is, one way I describe it is I've been a bulimic who's afraid to purge. So I'm just afraid to purge. And uh, so, but I have the same struggles. Exactly what happens to them happens to me, and it's been my whole life. I've struggled with it. So um, I, I hit it. I wasn't transparent with myself for years, wasn't transparent with God, and then I wasn't transparent with people for years and decades. 
I struggled with it. And so I was in a meeting a while back, and it was one of those meetings where I, I'm, I'm, it's a little corrective, and I hate those meetings, but I had to be a little corrective in the meeting. And I'm talking with this guy, and I'm being as gentle as I can, but then he lashed out at me, and here's what he said. He said, you have no right to talk to me. You are a glutton. And, and I'm like, you know, I thought, there's an opportunity here. So I said to this guy, I said, actually, I'm not a glutton. I, I have a disease, and I have a slow metabolism, and, uh, and I, I hardly eat anything. I keep gaining weight, so his eyes open, his mouth drops, and he goes, me and my big mouth, I'm so sorry, and then when he does that, I start to laugh, and he goes, why are you laughing? I go, I'm a glutton. That's why I'm laughing. I said, I actually have, I, I have an overeating problem, right? And then he laughed, and it kind of bonded us together. It made it a much more wonderful meeting after that, but it, it's amazing uh, that I just did my best to keep that hidden and just hoped everybody thought I had that kind of problem. But, you know, I think it was May. My wife just, we sat down. We were going to have coffee, but you, you know those awkward conversations with your mate? They're, they're never any fun. Uh, and, and she just got on this issue and said, Honey, you've been dieting. Why is nothing happening? Oh, my metabolism's slow, honey. And, and, and then I just felt like I need to be honest. And I said, I really have an issue. And I, I keep falling and, and binging, you know, and binge eating. And it was amazing how tough that was, but it was amazing what it did for me. And in case you don't know what a binge eater is, I want to make sure you know what a binge eater is. I, I would eat great breakfast, lunch, and dinners. If I were working at the office, I'd bring my lunch and dinner, and just great. Everything was fine. But then I would drive home about 7 o'clock at night, and I'd go by Wendy's on Elm Road to get on the bypass, and it would call my name. And I would go through the drive-thru, and I'd get two doubles with cheese. And I'm allergic to dairy. And uh, then I'd get, if I was good, I'd get one large fry, but some days I was bad and got two. And then sometimes I got a Diet Coke, you know, to save some calories. But a lot of times I just got a vanilla milkshake. And then I would drive around and finish it and then go home. And Gina would say, how's your day? i go, it was great. How'd your eating go? Mm, it was awesome, you know? I had great eating today. Now, I don't want to tell you what kind. Uh, it's kind of like a competitive eater, right? And, and, uh, but I'm afraid to purge. So we have an issue here. And it was amazing when I became honest. It was just amazing. But that didn't just happen. First, I had to be transparent with myself because for years I would say this. I'd say, I just eat like a football player. That's all. And if anybody here carrying extra weight, I'm not talking to anybody here. Um, I'm talking about a, a literal addiction, right? And, and then I would not tell God. I would not repent. And then there came a time after a while where i just start saying, God, I sinned again. And I needed to do that. I had to be transparent with God. And yet nothing happened until I opened up. And so Gina looked at me. She said, we have to do something radical, Joe. And I was listening to this guy. He has five or six, I think it's six bestsellers books on the New York Times list. And I like him. She said, I think he has a health clinic. So I looked, and it was in San Diego. And I signed up to go. But then I had to have permission from the board. And now I have to be transparent with our board of trustees. And they thought all along I had a... Uh, slow metabolism. Now they're going to find out I don't, right? And I just told them what was going on in my life. I'm a food addict. I have a problem. I don't know what it is. And they were glad to let me go for the month of August. And I paid for it out of my pocket, which it's good to feel the pain, right? And it was amazing. That doctor helped me so much. And <clears throat> now I've been back 
And I haven't binged. I don't even want to binge. There was something that broke, but it's that accountability. I, I met a person there that lives in Alaska, and they're my accountability partner too. And Gina's my accountability partner. And then I have another one here in the church. And it just, there's something about finding somebody that you and I can open up to. And I don't know where I land. I don't care where I land. I just don't want to binge, right? I just needed to be free. And I'll never forget that doctor looked at me. He said, Joe, can I be honest with you? And he knew I pastored a church. And he was Jewish, and he goes, can I be honest with you? I said, absolutely. He said, um, you probably have helped uh, cocaine addicts and alcohol addicts. I said, I have. He said, you're a food addict, buddy. He said, there are certain foods, if they touch your lips, you're gone. He said, you just can't touch them anymore. And it's, it was hard to take, but it really helped my life. And, I, and, and I, I know he's right, and I know it's been a blessing, but it all happened when I became transparent with others. And... There's so many people listening. You don't have this issue. Very few people have this issue, but you have other issues. And if you take these three steps, God will do amazing things. And I want to read a scripture to you. It goes like this. Listen to this scripture. It reads Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is love. And it's the love commandment. And, and one way to fulfill the love commandment is help people with what they're going through. And I really believe this church is already doing a great job. I believe if someone came up to you and said, hey, I need to make myself accountable. Can you help me out? And you need to pray and ask God who those people will be. But some of you people are going to ask you. Others, you're going to need to ask somebody, you know. I was reading a book, and I, I saw a story from a pastor. And he pastored a church, and he told a story about a young lady. Uh, she was an exotic dancer. And she accepted Christ at his church. And she started to come to church as an exotic dancer. And she was there about three weeks. And she didn't quit her job because she's a single mom and she made such incredible money. She couldn't quit. But she wanted to. She knew she shouldn't be doing that. And she decided to go to a connect group. So she goes to this connect group. And uh, she's sitting there before it starts. And she sees the leader having a conversation with another guy in the group. And the guy in the group says to the leader, and everybody can hear there's guys and girls in the group. And he says, I fell again into pornography. I, I need some help, you know? And this leader looks at him and says, well, you know what that means. We, we need to put some accountability software on your computer, your phone, and we just need to hold you accountable. But here's what blew her mind. Nobody winked. Nobody blinked. Nobody, everybody just, it was so normal. So it empowered her. And I wouldn't recommend you do this in a connect group, but, uh, you know, maybe with a one person somewhere in private, but she tells them her name. She says, I've been a Christian three weeks. And then she says, I'm an exotic dancer and I want to quit, but I can't afford to. And so the leader of the group looks at her and he says, you know what? You said it out of your own mouth. You want to quit. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to take a collection amongst ourselves and we're going to pay, your, pay you your monthly net salary until you find another job so you can quit right away. And it took a couple months, but they paid her salary and she was able to take it to the next level. And I really believe God wants us to be that way, no matter what it is. It could be something totally different. But to love one another in that law of Christ. And I'll tell you one more BC story. When I started the church, I was 24. That's 38 years ago. I was 24 years old. And I had a really young staff, very young. And a couple years in, one of the leaders came to me. And they're trembling, and we're in my office at that time, and they're trembling, and they just looked at me, and they said, I'm struggling with pornography. I just fell again. And I know you have to fire me, Pastor, 
but I just, I just have to, I just have to be honest. And I looked at them and I said, actually, I, I don't have to fire you and I'm not going to fire you. As a matter of fact, I'd fire you if you hit it. But since you're being transparent, I'm going to hook you up with a ministry that can help you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to make you accountable. And then I said to them, do you know there's other young men in our church that are struggling with the same thing? And do you know that if you conquer this thing, you can actually help them? And you know what he did? He conquered it. He's still in ministry today. He, he's in a, another place, and he's doing incredible things for God. And I am so thankful he was honest with me. So I want to ask you a question, guys. You ready? In Boardman, all the guys at TCI Correctional Facility, our campus, they're online and here in Warren. Um, are you excited that God is the God of mercy and he's the God that wants to help us and God's people are people of grace and they want to help us? And if you are, can we give it up and say thank you, God, for your mercy? Yeah. Give it up, man. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful the, the church is gracious and the church is loving. And yeah, we're not going to say it's okay, but we're going to say, let me help you. And that changes everything. Can we close our eyes, bow our heads? Can we pray? Lord, we love you with everything that's inside of us. You're such a good God. You're so good. And Lord, right now there's some folks listening, just some, not a lot. But Lord, they're making a decision right now, this day, to be transparent with themselves. And I thank you, Lord, for meeting them. Just for meeting them, Lord God. Lord, there's some that are saying, you know what, I'm gonna go even further and I'm going to be transparent with God. Lord, I thank you for kissing them with mercy. Lord, there's others listening that they know they need to do it. They haven't done it yet. It's what really broke me loose. They need to make themselves accountable to others. And I ask you to show them the others. And Lord, or the other. And Lord, some of us, you're going to have people come and ask us to help them and be transparent with us. And I thank you for giving us the grace and the wisdom to walk them through. For Lord... We're here to carry one another's burdens. And we thank you that you want to carry our burden and you want to help us. And so heads are bowed, eyes are closed. God is so good. Stay in this attitude of prayer. And I just want to say, you know, I said a lot in this message and we have these things, it's connect group season. They're called weekend follow-up groups. And you can literally talk about this, this message and you can literally... Um, ask questions and hear other people say what they saw. So we have an online one on Monday nights at 7 p.m. So anybody can go to that. Tuesday, 9 a.m. in Boardman. Saturday nights here in Warren um, after church. And so just go to believers.cc, our website. And can Just click the groups thing and it will show you exactly how to sign up. Now heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, maybe you're listening. And you're not sure of your eternity. You're not sure if you were to die, if you go to heaven or hell. Maybe you're not even sure if God exists. And I get that. I was, I was at that place when I was 19 before I met Jesus. I get it. And only God can open up our eyes to Jesus. I can't make you see it. I'm not going to force it into your life. But I do have an opportunity for you to hear the most incredible news on planet Earth. And that is that God loved you so much he sent his son to make a way for you to be connected with God. And it's amazing what Jesus did. 
Remember, he's God who always existed, and then he came to the earth, and at 33, he died on the cross, and God placed the sins of all of us on him, and he was buried. He spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Then God lifted him up out of the grave. It's amazing what happened, and he said, whoever calls on my name, I will save them. If you're listening, you say, Pastor Joe, maybe you heard this many times, maybe you didn't. Maybe you grew up in church, but you say, I can't remember a day when I prayed and said, Jesus, I repent of my sins and accept you. And if you're listening, you say, that's me. Would you pray with me right now? In Boardman, can we help them pray? Online, can you just stay with us and help them pray, those that are praying? TCI here in Warren, can we help them pray? And if you're praying this for the first time, just simply meet it. Say it from your heart. Say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a savior. I repent of all my sins and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. You died for our sins. God raised you from the grave. I accept you as my savior and I make a decision today to follow you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at Believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.